All right, everybody bring it in. Locked, loaded, NBA playoffs, play-ins coming up today on the read option. We have a awesome, awesome show lined up for you guys today. Uh, it's basically the whole pod is just a conversation with myself and my good friend Denton Day. He is the host of In My Opinion with Denton Day. A weekend radio show from six to nine on Sports Map Radio. Uh, we we got into a whole bunch of great stuff regarding the NBA. We talked uh, playing tournaments. We talked LeBron and how long the LeBron era is going to last, and and what we can see moving forward. We get some playoff predictions out of him. A little Russell Westbrook in there. Uh, honestly, we just talked a whole bunch of NBA wrapping up the season as we're geared up now because the next six weeks or so with the NBA playoffs really starting to kind of take hold. It's going to be an exciting time. You know, we have the Western Conference is as confusing as I can ever remember it. You know, anyone from one to eight, I can see winning at least two rounds in this field. And in the Eastern Conference, you know, we see our top three teams, your Sixers, your Nets, your Bucks, but you still have the Miami Heat there who are a dangerous team after the run they went on there couple of feel-good stories in the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks. So there's a lot going on right now. And if you're an NBA fan, this is about as good of a time as any in the calendar year. Now, no question, the regular season was a dud, you know, and I think a lot of it comes from the, the COVID situation, the COVID protocols. They're very, it was a very weird year and guys had to play a lot of games in a condensed schedule. You know, they didn't get a whole lot of time to recover after the play in tour or after the bubble experience last year, which, you know, as fans, we were all appreciative of, you know, the fact that the NBA found a way to power through COVID and, and put together what was an, an awesome show. But we saw the top four teams, the Lakers, the heat, obviously they played in the finals, but you also had the Denver Nuggets who were in the Western Conference Finals. And you had the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. In between the injuries of LeBron, AD, Jamal Murray, uh, Jimmy Butler was hurt for a lot of this year. The Heat, they felt like they, it took them all year just to kind of get back. And, and it was tough. You know, the, the playoff tournament ended in September, September, October. And then there they were three months later, right around Christmas and we have the NBA season uh, starting and honestly it was in the beginning of December. So, you know, not a whole lot of time for recovery. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw those teams lose or, or lose more games and more players due to injury after having such a short turnaround to get themselves ready for the 2021 season. And it, it honestly is another reason why Nikola Jokic should be the hands down MVP and, and Denton not get into that a little bit, but you know, this whole, this whole, playoffs have, have an opportunity after what was again a, a bit of a disappointing NBA regular season the playoffs have a chance to really save it because I think once we get into the second and third rounds of each of the conference tournaments or conference you know conference playoff brackets however you want to describe it I think those rounds and a lot of the first round matchups in the west too are just going to be spectacular and it all kicks off tonight we have the Charlotte Hornets by the way I'm recording this on a Tuesday by the time this gets out, we're going to be pretty close to game time. Charlotte and Indiana. And then at 9 o'clock tonight, we have the Wizards and the Celtics. Tomorrow night or Wednesday night, depending on when you're listening, uh, we have the Spurs taking on the Grizzlies, 730 on ESPN. And the Warriors-Lakers matchup, which is what everybody is the most excited for. So uh, with that being said, 
let's hand it off to me and my good friend Denton Day, in my opinion, with Denton Day as we break down the 2021 NBA playoffs. It is my honor and great privilege to now bring on uh, a very special guest, one Denton Day, host of In My Opinion with Denton Day on Sports Map Radio. You can catch him weekends from 6 to 9, formerly SB Nation Radio, uh, and he's got the old school at AOL.com email locked in on his Twitter page, which I love. Denton, my friend, how are you, man? Jeff, what's going on, my friend? I appreciate you having me on. Somebody has to uh, to put on for AOL like 10 years <laughs> after it became cool, so I'm doing my part. It's funny, man. My dad and I were just talking about that. He met Gene Krantz. You know who Gene Krantz is? Yeah, yeah. From the Apollo missions. He met him at a bar one time, and my dad's a huge space nerd. So they they talked, you know, for like an hour about space shit, you know, just kind of going <laughs> back and forth about stuff. And at the end of it, it, he literally sent him like it was Gene Krantz, like seven, because he didn't even have his own name. Like someone else had <laughs> taken his name at AOL.com. He's like, that's how you know it's old school. That's how you know it's it's how we do it. But look, man, I am very pumped to have you. Uh, we're both big NBA heads, and obviously the NBA playoffs are just around the corner. We have our first playing games tonight. The Eastern Conference, we got Indiana and Charlotte tipping off at 630. Uh, and then I believe at 10 o'clock, we have, or is it not nine o'clock? We have your Washington Wizards taking on the uh, the Boston Celtics. Uh, many first off, dude. I, I this whole year with the play in tournament and everything feels. I, I can't necessarily put my finger on it, you know, because on one hand, I'm like, is this creating a sense of urgency? Is this creating more excitement behind it, or is it just like a mental thing that we're in our heads? What are what is your just general feeling about the NBA adding this? seven through 10 play in tournament for the 2021 season. At, at first I was really confused because I didn't quite get it. They didn't do a great job, you know, properly describing what it was. So it, I saw it was going to be seven versus eight and then nine versus 10. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not how you run a tournament. Like you just, the high seed gets the low seed, low seed. and then the middle two seeds meet. And then once I kind of got the understanding, I, I understood it a little more, but to be completely honest, I think I would rather just have seven versus 10, eight versus nine. And then the two winners end up getting in. I think it's a, the, I think the league is lucking out this year because they get Stefan LeBron in it. Oh, yeah. But if you weren't having two superstars of that magnitude, I think there would be a lot more discussion as to why this is necessary. Uh, does it why? Or down the postseason. I mean, the NBA has told us for so many years that, you know, most of the postseason doesn't really matter. It's we know who the top dogs are, right? Like we know yeah. who we think can win a championship, but I'm here for the excitement. I'm interested to see how it goes. I didn't think I would like it in the bubble. And then I liked it in the bubble. So I'm trying to, to enter it with an open mind. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I, I get why they went seven and eight, you know, because the seven seed is inherently worth more. Right. So if you're the eight seed, you're kind of giving them a chance to move up there. I've always kind of been to the mindset like, dude, you had a whole regular season. You know, like, why do we need to play one more game? And, and very well, especially with a guy like Steph, who's just going ape shit right now, dude, like putting in buckets all over the place. It makes me kind of think like, is it possible the Lakers actually lose tonight? You know, the Lakers almost lost the game against New Orleans and they were playing all their starters the entire game because they've played so few minutes together. Who do you, is there a legitimate chance that we see an upset on Wednesday night? Do we actually see Steph, like what would he have to do? Drop 60 for them to beat them? 
Or just LeBron he, tweak his ankle again, you know? I think he definitely has to go for, for 35-plus if they have a real shot, unless out of nowhere, like Andrew Wiggins decides to go for 40, which I think, <laughs> if we're being honest, is probably the NBA's worst nightmare. You either want Steph, LeBron, or Anthony Davis to be the guys that are going nuts. You would prefer not to have Andrew Wiggins so the be Wiggins the high man. The Wiggins revenge game, man. <laughs> against LeBron. This is this is what he gets for wanting Kevin Love back with the, the Cavs in, what was it, 2015, 2014? Exactly. So I guess it would come full circle. But I do think there is some chance to be legitimately upset if you are the Lakers because, as you mentioned, they struggled a little bit with New Orleans and they struggled a little bit with Indiana when you put it in the perspective of Indiana had nobody. You know, like seven of their top guys were out New Orleans was out all was without all their top guys and the Lakers had everybody. So you're viewing the the Lakers as if they're this team that's healthy. And I don't know if anyone, any sane person is going to go to bat against LeBron James at this point, just knowing what he has done. But when you take everything into consideration, I don't think he's truly healthy. And maybe he gave himself that card when he said, I'm never going to be a hundred percent again, but I yeah, haven't right. seen from them what I would say they're a, a shoe in to beat the Warriors. Now, thankfully they have kind of the net where they're going to face whoever wins uh, the next game. Should they lose? But I think that game is wide open for sure. Yeah. I'm really excited, honestly, because, and, and look, I mean, you never want to wish injury on anybody, right? We always like to hope for the best when it comes out, just so we can see the best product that gets put out onto the court. Anthony Davis though, man, he seems to get hurt every time he steps onto the court. Like he leads the league in amount of times he's in a game where he just like grabs his hamstring, right. Or, you know, <laughs> grabs his shoulder. Right. And there's always something nagging with Anthony Davis and with LeBron, you know, one of the most incredible things about LeBron is LeBron has never been seriously injured. You know, right. like, like this injury, the high ankle sprain is the worst injury of his career. I don't buy into the, you know, the, his first year in LA when they were bad and he missed half the season, that, that whole groin thing, I'm sure it was a legitimate injury, but that wasn't, that was as much to me about the team that was surrounding them and waiting right. to just go out and get Anthony Davis. And then we saw what they did once Anthony Davis was there. That being said, you're an idiot. If you vote, if you, if you're going against LeBron, right. You know, and I love Steph. Steph's one of my favorite players in the entire NBA, but if you are looking at this series and you're saying, or even just this specific game and saying, you know, who do you have to bet on a, a Steph Curry with no clay Thompson with an no Kevin Durant with an old Draymond green or LeBron and even 50% of Anthony Davis. I think the smart money will tell you to go there. I just feel bad for the Suns, dude. I feel bad for Chris Paul, <laughs> Devin Booker and those boys. And now granted they had a chance to steal that one seed, but in a perfect world, you know, everyone's kind of penciling the Lakers in for that seven seed. I don't know if it's that, if that, if it's that wide open uh, on the other side, right? The Eastern conference, it really feels like we have three teams up at the top. You have the Sixers, the Nets and the Bucks and kind of everybody else. Now the heat can be a little frisky. And if you're the Sixers, you're just thanking the Lord for Nate McMillan and Tom Thibodeau for what they were able to do to get the, the Hawks and the Knicks respectively in the four or five, because now the Sixers are either only going to have to play if they get to the Eastern conference finals, either the Nets Bucks or heat. They only have to play one of those three teams in order right. to get to the actual, you know, championship. Um, who is the favorite in your mind? Because right now, I think it's a little more even. A lot of people love the Nets. The Nets are still the betting favorite. And when those three guys are there, I get it. But I don't feel confident that those three guys are going to be there. Do you? 
I think they're the favorite, but they don't really feel like favorites have felt over the past few years. Like when you look at your Golden States or the Lakers last year, you could confidently enter the postseason saying these are without question the top guys. And while the Nets have those three guys, as you mentioned, there's the question of will all of them be there by the time the Eastern Conference Finals are here? And then there's the question of, well, they haven't actually played a ton together. And I do think that means something specifically in the postseason because, you know, the game tightens up a little bit. You're running the smaller rotations. It's going to get a lot more physical. So I think that will play a part in it. But I think you're right. It's it's a lot more even in the Eastern Conference with those three teams uh, than I would have anticipated as we entered the season, and especially once Harden was traded. Because once that trade went down, you're like, all right, these are the favorites, no doubt about it. But as the season has matriculated a little bit, as Drew Holiday has performed great with Milwaukee, as Embiid has put forth a damn near MVP type of season, I, I do think those top three teams, they're more neck and neck than a lot of people would like to admit. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I think we're underselling the Bucks, man. Like I, I, I look at the Bucks and I say, you know, because everyone talks about Philly and how incredible defensively they are. They're huge, right? Their starting lineup is ridiculously big, even with Seth Curry in the lineup, who's still on his own, you know, 6'2". He's not like, you know, 5'10". You know, he, he's still a <laughs> decent body. You can throw him on Joe Harris and let Joe Harris, you know, let the two of them three-point guys run around with each other. But I look at the Bucks and I see Drew Holiday, one of the elite defenders in the NBA. I look at Chris Middleton, who is long and again, an under underrated just across the board, but especially as right. a defender. And then you have Giannis, who's one of three players in NBA history to win an MVP and a defensive player of the year. So I think the Bucs could line up just as well. The problem with the Bucs is it's a gauntlet to get to the NBA finals. Now, right. can they win two series? Can they beat the Heat and then beat the Nets? Absolutely. I don't know if they can make all beat all those two and then beat the Sixers and then get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you mentioned something there that I actually had a question for. I wanted to touch on the NBA playoffs are such a it, it's a different sport compared to the regular season. Right. So in your estimation, what is the most important thing when you go into the postseason? Like what is the most important aspect that your team has to have in order to win in the postseason in the NBA? I think you have to be confident in your identity, but also be willing to adjust. That's the one thing that's hampered the Bucks over the past two years. Giannis is winning MVPs. He, he's being he's being named Defensive Player of the Year. And then once they get into the postseason, their plan stays the exact same. And it's just Giannis drive into the hole, see if he can make something happen. He normally can't. And then they just kind of have to figure it out. So you have to be confident in who you are, but also be willing to adjust. And then you need help. You know, this is the NBA. We're long past the days of one superstar is going to get it done. So when you look at the top three teams, there's so many different options as to guys who can go get a bucket. The Nets have three guys. I now think the Milwaukee Bucks with Drew Holiday. And if Chris Middleton uh, continues to perform the way that we both think he can, they have three guys. And then Philly has three guys with Embiid, uh, Simmons and Tobias Harris. So I think you have to be willing to divvy it up a little bit, but you have to know who you are, play to your strengths, and then sometimes you just have to get lucky, right? Sometimes you need, I, I know this is painful for you, but sometimes you need the ball to bounce four times on the rim and have it just fall in the right way. I don't know how that ball went in still to this day. The, the two-year anniversary <laughs> of that was this past week, and I think I, sh I shuddered. Like, I woke up and I was like, something's off today. You know, Baker wakes up feeling dangerous. I woke up depressed, and I didn't know why until I saw and on Twitter. You click on the Twitter, and you're like, 
That's why. Subconsciously, my brain reminded me just how <laughs> terrible watching that shot go in is, which is still one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in sports, even being on the losing end of that as a Sixers fan. Uh, to your point, though, I, I agree. I think having your identity, knowing who you are as a team and as a core is has to be the most important thing, right? Because it's a it's a, such a long playoff stretch. And we're talking about six weeks of having to play these games. And depending on how, you know, how long or short your series goes, like it's a grind. It's every other night, you know, which is very different than the regular season. And this year's, you know, most teams played every other night because of the condensed schedule. But right. of the three teams in the East, and, and hell, you can even give me for the East and the West, which team do you think has that identity most solidified? Uh, right now, I think it's Philly in the East. Uh, because the Nets haven't played all of their guys together. And this Heat series is going to be really, really intriguing for me when it comes to Milwaukee. I want to see if this is a new Bucks team. Because as I mentioned, we've seen them for the past few years. They, they have their offensive mentality and they stick to their guns. And they don't have a playmaker down the stretch. And they're playing the team that ousted them last season and a team that's physical as all hell. I mean, Miami might be one of the most frightening six seeds that you'll ever come across just based on what they have and what they were last year. So I think of the three at the top in the East Philly is, is the most, I would say set in stone. And I just, I don't know how anybody, if Embiid wants to go out there and get 40, I think he can do it on a nightly basis. And I don't see anyone that can guard him on either the Nets or the Bucks for a full 40. Because my guess is he's going to be playing uh, up in the 40s minute-wise. So I don't know if there's anyone that can go guard him for a full 40. The West is a little bit different. I think there's a lot more parity out there. I could see five teams probably running the table. I mean, obviously, you include the Lakers because they're the defending champs. The, the Phoenix Suns, this might be one of Chris Paul's last opportunities like really, really good opportunities to to jump off of the list that Charles Barkley and Carl Malone are like, hey, CP3, come join us. <laughs> and then you have those dastardly clippers. And I feel like an idiot. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be rolling with Paul George in the postseason. Like historically, everyone, everything tells me don't ride with him, but I do love Kawhi Leonard. And then the Nuggets are in that conversation as well. If Aaron Gordon can step up and and be the third guy offensively. We know what Jokic is. I love Michael Porter Jr. He's been as explosive scoring-wise in the absence of Jamal Murray as I think everyone hoped he would be. Uh, so there's a lot more parity out there in the Western Conference, which I think is going to make for a whole lot of fun. I, the Western Conference, this, this whole playoff run, I mean, you can look at Dallas even. like I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas beats L.A. in the first round. Right. You know, I mean, and Chris gave him a good run last year in the bubble. Yeah. And it's Luca. I mean, like Luca's one of those, he's becoming one of those guys that you just never want to bet against. You know, you, you look at what he can do with the ball in his hands and, and, you know, talk usage rate and stuff. He's off the charts, but he still makes everybody else around him better because of how dynamic he is both as a scorer, as a playmaker, Uh, you know, and and you can, again, like even Portland, like, I don't think Portland's going to get out of the West. But with Dame Lillard in the playoffs, again, it's another guy you just never – I mean, now, granted, Denver – you know, Denver was still starting Jokic in that game the other night. Portland beat the hell out of him because Portland can drop 140 on you on anybody. Just they beat the break. They, they were on a mission. They did not want to be in that playing tournament. And you go – and this is the other big thing that matters in the playoffs is it's not just the identity of your team, but it's the identity of your best player. 
you know, like who is your core guy and, and what will he do when the game's tighten? And that's why Embiid having this face up game and being able to shoot more efficiently from, from deep, you know, matters so much because you can put Simmons in the dunker spot. He becomes less of a liability in the playoffs when you have four guys who shoot 40% surrounding him, you know, including right. Embiid. And then even still, if Simmons is playing on the opposite side of the block while Embiid's going to work, seen it all year now is it the most pretty you know tandem in the nba no but you you go where the identity of your best player is too and i think portland is a team when you have damian lillard who is this cold-hearted grinded out undersized but plays way bigger than he actually is can hit it from anywhere on the court you know damian lillard should be in most mvp conversations he won't be he'll probably finish somewhere in the top 10 but right to me he's a first team guard you know, like first team all NBA because he's he's averaging 29, four rebounds and eight assists a game. And it was the quietest 29, four and eight that we've seen <laughs> in a long time, because you, you have guys like Steph who are just going off the entire time, you know, winning another scoring title. But that whole Western Conference, it's funny, we we know more about the East. And yet I'm far more excited to watch the Western Conference because the first two rounds of the East outside of Milwaukee and, and Miami doesn't quite seem to have the same grip on it that you know you look at every single matchup in the western conference you know if, if the lakers are the eight seed if the warriors are because if the warriors play phoenix are you going to be shocked if steph curry and them beat phoenix in the first round certainly not same goes for utah especially yeah. if we don't know the health of donovan mitchell yeah and, and that's the team that i still feel the most confident in when it comes to their identity in the west even without Donovan Mitchell, the fact that they've won as many games and held on to the one seed without Donovan Mitchell for the last month of the regular season is really telling. Now, we don't know if, if Donovan Mitchell is going to be ready for the playoffs or not. He'll probably miss. I'm sure he'll play at some point in the first round. But, you know, if they get Golden State, if they get uh, the Lakers in the first round, I don't feel super confident that they can get by. But I have belief in them as a, as a team. Now, the one interesting part about Utah is Rudy Gobert to me. Like he, he's such a fascinating player and the defensive player of the year award is going to go between Gobert and Simmons, right? That seems to be, those are the top two guys. So I won't necessarily ask you to pick one or the other, because they're obviously very different defenders, but which do you think is more valuable having an elite rim protector like Rudy Gobert or having an elite perimeter on ball defender like Ben Simmons? I mean, if I was building a team, I would take the perimeter defender just based on the way that the game is now. But at the same time, who are the top two candidates in the MVP? It's it's two big guys. So I can totally understand why you would say I, I still want the, the rim protector. There's still a bunch of teams that love to get out in transition. Uh, and eventually you got to have somebody that can, that can hold it down in the middle. But for me personally, I would, I would prefer the guy that can, can stay on the best player and say, don't worry about it. I, I, I'm going to handle him. I think we've seen in the past, like Kawhi did that a little bit on his run with the Raptors. Uh, Clay Thompson with the Warriors was always that guy where he's going to go and he's going to hassle the hell out of either Kyrie Irving or maybe LeBron for a little bit, Russell Westbrook in that OKC series a couple of years ago. So I, I really value the the perimeter defender over the, the rim protector, at least at, at this point in the way the game has evolved. I tend to agree, especially someone like Simmons who can guard one through five. You know, you can put Simmons on Giannis. You can put Simmons on uh, Damian Lillard. 
You know, we, right. we saw, I mean, he put the clamps on Luca and I forget, I think it was back in like January, Philly and Dallas played. And he just put the absolute like lockdown on, on Luca. And, and that's not a guy that you see happen. You don't see people do that stuff. Uh, and, and Philly defensively as a whole is phenomenal and having Thibel there. But the other thing that helps Simmons case and not trying to, you know, go against my own team here, but just being objective is he has an elite rim defender, you know? Right. Cause in my, in my, I think Embiid is as good of a rim protector as Rudy Gobert is. The only difference is the defensive players surrounding Philly are significantly better than the defensive players around Utah. And Utah's entire defense is about trying to either funnel guys in to try to go at Gobert or just keep everybody on the outside. The hard thing is, and we saw it in that Golden State Utah game last week, if you get a switch on Gobert, he's not coming out to defend you. And in, right. in a league that is ever more expanding further and further away from the basket, I'd rather have a guy like Ben Simmons chasing you around, going over under screens and, and having the length to still be an impactful defender. Uh, the other big award is the MVP, right? That's always the one. And it feels like this is Jokic, right? Like <laughs> Jokic has played every game. <laughs> he plays in every game and he's put together one of the most incredible seasons. He's the greatest passing big men, certainly of our generation. Um, but that number two spot to me is still in B. But I've been hearing a lot of buzz about Steph needs to be MVP. LeBron said it uh, just last night, you know, that Steph should be the MVP. Are we going to have one of these classic NBA scenarios that in the last four days of the regular season, everyone's going, you know who should be second in the MVP? We, we, we got to give it to Steph. Steph's really earned it with this year. And again, I love Steph. But to me, Embiid, number one seed, the way he's played this year, he's top five in points score. He's top five in rebounds. And he's one of the best defensive players of the year. It has to be Embiid, right? Yeah, I think, I think I'm with you. Uh, LeBron was, was doing his best Paul Heyman impression <laughs> there. He was, he was really building up the guy on the other side. I think he was doing that more for himself than he actually was for Steph in the terms of the MVP race because I think LeBron's looking at it like, all right, well, if I lose to the guy that I just said should be MVP, there's really no harm in that one. But if I win, i like, hey, I just beat the MVP, so he can kind of gas himself up like that. Uh, but I think you're right. I think Embiid is, is number two as far as the MVP is, is concerned. I hope that doesn't turn into the, this massive deal, um, so I guess selfishly for, for Jokic, because I want him to have uh, the moment of recognition, and I really don't want people to argue about who's number two when we know who is number one. And I also hope that we don't have an idiotic Twitter account like the Rockets had a couple of years ago where they have this stats, they have this thread of things that are just ready to fire off as soon as it's official and they hit the send. Because I do, I think Jokic, he deserves it. He played all 82 games. That's something you don't see really at all anymore and he did it well um so he's definitely one i'd probably go in b2 curry three and then you can if you want to debate chris paul or dame lillard or any of those guys you can you can have that conversation yeah i mean even Giannis, man like Giannis has again had another ridiculous season Sorry, dude's averaging 29 like eight rebounds and five assists right like you know it's so hard and again we have as much talent in the nba right now as we've ever had before. Like we, we just, we've never seen the vastness of just like, you know, I think Simmons and Rosillo did this where they went through and they're like, how many guys, if they were, you know, Jeremy Grant and you put them on Detroit could score 20 points a game. And we see it at the end of the year, every single year when teams are kind of mailing it in, just trying to get to the end of the season. 
And then you have guys like Kenyon Martin Jr., who are you know rookies, played half the season in the G League, scoring 27. You know, we see – I mean, Tyrese Maxey the other night dropped 30. You know, it's uh, – Cole Anthony dropped 37. You know, like we see these crazy numbers, but that also is a testament to how much – how many guys in the NBA can just fill it up. And be, be careful now. These old heads are going to get mad at you. You're, 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 you're dunking on the 90s, the 80s. Where's Christopher Mad Dog Russo? What about Havlicek? He's going he's gonna to come for you. But, I mean, can you? I, I don't know how you can realistically deny just the, the talent that exists here. It's the advancements in the way these guys train, the advancements in the way they recover. We just have a bunch of unbelievable athletes that are stepping on the floor night in and night out. And like you said, you have guys that the casual fan has never heard of that. If you give them the, the amount of shots, uh, they can go out there and get 30 on, on a given night. So um, it, it's crazy where I can, I can name five guys who can be MVP. And like Giannis didn't even come to mind in spite of the fact that he's having this ridiculous season. So it yeah. speaks to the, the really good place that the NBA is in. I just wish some of these companies and part of this role is on the NBA as well would do a much better job marketing that because we know LeBron, we know Steph, we know Kyrie because they love jumping on Kyrie whenever he says anything, but I wish they marketed the talent that's in this league significantly better. And then who knows, maybe just maybe the ratings will rise because you are building stars in the process. I, I agree. And stars are so important for marketing. And it's funny, you know, watching The Last Dance last year and watching uh, the Tiger Woods documentary on HBO, like there is something to the end of an era with an all-time great. And the thing with The Last Dance that you always hear people talk about, like, man, like I got to sit there and watch and you, know, you, you didn't get the chance to watch Michael Jordan. Watching Michael Jordan was this incredible thing. And so I don't say this in a, in a way where it's like, I don't appreciate LeBron, but I'm kind of ready for a post LeBron NBA. I was thinking about that the other day. Like I, I really do admire LeBron. LeBron, watching LeBron in my lifetime and being the, the guy growing up is an unbelievable thing. And he will go down as the second best player no question, and there'll be a statistical argument for being the best player of all time. Are you looking forward to a post-LeBron NBA? I am, and I really want I want the transition to be done right. I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling guy. Like I'm a complete mm-hmm. wrestling nerd, and historically in wrestling, when the changing of the guard is to come, the loser and the, the old guy goes down with his back on the mat. Now, I don't know if LeBron will give that up, but I would love to see LeBron's you know, career end with a young up-and-coming team being the one to topple him. So I know he's not gonna, his career is not going to end now, but if the Lakers lose to the Warriors and then they play the Grizzlies and John Morant goes crazy and he gets the better of, of that matchup and the Grizzlies end up winning, like that's what I want because then all of a sudden you can look at John Morant and say, this is the dude that beat LeBron. You know, this young Grizzlies team is the team that beat LeBron. So I'd really prefer the transition to come in the building up of another team, which is not something we got with Michael Jordan. Like, I, you don't have to watch Jordan to know that he won on a championship. And there's something to that. You know, we see a lot of greats across sports ride off into the sunset. But in terms of what's best for the game and best for the league, I think somebody has to go over LeBron on his way out for the NBA to make the most of, of his, his leaving. 
And, and even, you know, Jordan still came back and had those Wizards years, man. You know, like... Yeah, there's a jersey up here somewhere behind me with <laughs> his number on there. Um, who do you think that guy is? Who do you, who do you think is the... the I don't, you don't want to say the next LeBron, just like it's it's dumb to say who was the next Jordan, right? Because there isn't another one. They're one of ones. Kobe did his best impression of him and is considered one of the arguably 10 greatest players to ever play the game. Who is the guy who you would most like to see take the mantle, take the torch from LeBron, going into the next generation and, and kind of leading the charge there? The three in the West, like if we're just keeping it in the Western Conference, because I guess that would seem to make the most sense. Uh, John Morant is certainly one that dude is he's must see television. And if, if these networks did just a smidge of a better job in marketing him, he would, everyone would tune in to watch that dude play. Zion is of course the other one. There were always comparisons and Zion had himself a hell of a year. The problem is the Pelicans can't seem to get out of their own way in terms of actually making that team competitive. And then I think you look at Luca, he was, he was a Chris Stops injury slash suspension, whatever it was, away from toppling the Los Angeles Clippers last year. So I think when you look at the guys that that would gain the most of it, maybe Denver with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., but between Ja, Zion, and, and Luca, I think they would really gain the most. And they're also marketable, which I think has to factor in because LeBron has been this really this marketing titan for such a long time. And you can market John Morant, you can market Zion, you can, and you can find ways to market uh, Luka Doncic. So I think those in the Western Conference would probably be the three that, that stick out to me the most. I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, Zion, it's, it's all going to depend with his health. You know, we said the same thing about Embiid forever, and, and now Embiid is healthy, and we're seeing what he does. I, I think Luka is the guy, man. I mean, because whoever it is, it needs to be representative of the entire league too, right? You know, mm -hmm. like LeBron came in, and yeah, he, he played for Cleveland, he played for the Heat, but he was, he became the face of the NBA. And in a sport, in a league that is growing more global by the day, by the minute, Having a global face, having a guy like Luca, who is still so young, was he 22? Yeah, you know, it's, it's ridiculous when you look at some of these guys' ages. Now, one of the things we do that's criminal to NBA players, and this is one of the things that that drives me so nuts, and I don't know if it's social media or, or what exactly that drives it, is this expectation that guys need to be great right away. You know, it's like, look at LeBron, right? It took LeBron five years to really become the, you know, take that 07 Cleveland team or four years to take that 07 Cleveland team all the way to the finals. And, and we're talking about one of the greatest players that's ever lived Jordan. It took six years, seven years to really get to that point. And I look at a guy like Embiid now and, and Simmons as well. And we, we rush and, and Luca falls in this, all these guys, it's, we just expect them to come out and win. But the reality is, is it's like, you need, you need battle scars, man. You got to go through it a few times. You need to learn how to win in the postseason. And if we see Dallas go on a run here, which it'll be incredibly difficult because you're dealing with Kawhi and you're dealing with Paul George, who both in the playoffs will become much better on-ball defenders. Why do you think we rush to, to judge these young players who are 22, 23 years old, and all of a sudden it's like, well, you've been in the league five years. It's like, yeah, but he's also 23. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just pump the brakes and let him, you know, get a little bit of callus in him before he actually, you know, these guys become the next great thing. We rush these guys to this pedestal and then rip them down when they don't actually get there. Yeah, people, they want everything now. And I think that factors into it. But 
you mentioned social media and that's where a lot of the ripping down of these guys happens. And a lot of people like being right. And they like to kind of get ahead of you when they're right. So if they're going to ride, uh, let's say, Luca for for so long, eventually they're just going to ride it to death. And then people are going to start piling on and just becomes this this very, very strange thing. Social media is basically the devil in a lot of instances. And I don't think this is any different than that. Uh, But you're right. You have to fall for you have to fail forward. You know, you you fail in the postseason. Nobody just makes this miraculous run. Like, Like I get I. I don't understand where this idea came from, where you have to just jump right in the NBA and all of a sudden you are the best and you're going on this crazy run. Uh, Like that hasn't ever happened. I mean, maybe I know Wes Unsell did it like once he won rookie of the year and MVP, but that was so long. It was 40 years ago almost. So I don't know why this is such a thing with NBA fans to, to quote Kevin Durant, (laughs) NBA fans don't even like the NBA, it feels at some point. And I think that is that's the most prominent um, prominent thing amongst NBA fans that that shows that. Yeah, it, it's something that drives me nuts. And look, I, I was guilty of it, too. You know, and the the Sixers team that lost in uh, the year before the Kawhi shot when they lost to Boston. And I was like, Embiid's never going to go out and Embiid's never going to win a title or whatever. And that was brash me. And I quickly realized I was like. Part of the reason why the following year when the Sixers didn't take the next step is because the expectations became so high. You know, the Sixers went on that crazy run. They somehow snuck into the three seed, you know, and end up losing to Boston in the first round, who didn't went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals immediately after. But the expectation levels are so important to it, right? Like, and, and the flip side, look at Philly this year after the, the shit off season that they had, you know, and, and the way they had left the bubble and getting embarrassed the way that they did, I can't, I can't came in thinking like, are they going to rip the team apart? And then all of a sudden, boom, they hired Daryl Morey. They hired doc rivers. They trade the, the Horford contract away, which was completely untradeable. And yet somehow <laughs> it's amazing how everyone in the NBA can be traded, but we set unrealistic expectations for these guys at such an early age and you're like, man, they're, they're 23. The only real examples of guys who came into the league and did it right away was like Magic Johnson. Who he also, who really also had situation. Kareem yeah. Abdul-Jabbar, also had like yeah. the, the great, one of the greatest players to ever play in the NBA. And at that point was arguably the all-time great up there with Bill Russell, especially in 1980 when they were rookies. And, and Larry Bird was, you know, quickly got the, the Celtics to that point too. But that was also at a time when the talent level in the game was so uniquely different than what it is now. Uh, coming back just a little bit here to the the playoffs and, and i believe very strongly that fans in the environment they make such a big difference arguably as much in basketball as any other sport now different teams are having you know different guys on like the sixers home record over the last four years is 120 and 32 you know and pretty good yeah right pretty and good. they're at 50 they're going to be at 50 percent capacity for the postseason how much of an impact, and, and I guess looking around, and it's tough because different teams and different states and all the regulations with COVID, but in a, in a year where fans haven't felt as impactful, the postseason, I feel like they're really going to make an impact more so than they had all year. Who is, are the Sixers, does that increase the Sixers that much more? Or do you think because of the inconsistencies, it's not going to play as much of an impact as maybe it has in other years? Well, I really wish... And I know we can't do this, but I really wish there was no inconsistencies. Like, I, it would be so great if everyone 
came to an agreement in all these states said, you know what, we'll do 50%. Everyone can do 75, whatever the number is, because I think that would be fantastic. But weirdly, because of the lack of fans that we have had all season, I think it's going to help both teams playing in a game. Because I think just feeling that energy, you know, sometimes it's fun to be booed. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's fun to quiet the crowd. And I feel like if Being you ask the heel, a, like the wrestling it, side of it, you know, exactly. And I feel like if you ask a lot of players, they like shutting the away crowd up more than they love the roar of their crowd. You know, just something about the way athletes minds work. So I, I think it's going to, it's going to be beneficial to both teams. I'm just excited to see fans. Because if I look at, I mean, you can look at some of the the crazy playoff moments that we saw last season in the bubble. Lucas stepped back. That that Anthony Davis game winner, they were amazing shots, but they fell flat because there's no fan reaction. Like you don't see Dame high fiving guys on the sideline before getting trampled by his teammates <laughs> after he hits that shot and waves goodbye to OKC. So I think just having fans there, it's going to be. It's going to be so much fun. We've we've made it, I hope, through this entire thing. I think we as fans should be rewarded by either getting to go to the stadium if it's your hometown or at least just having that experience, hearing the, the organic crowd noise. I mean, you and I both work with audio on a daily basis. You could tell it was fake crowd noise very, very quickly. They weren't pushing the buttons at the right time. It was so strange. There was no refuse suck chance because they're just not going to put that on there. But having all that stuff back, I think it's going to make for an exceptionally fun postseason. I'm I'm freaking jazzed for it, dude. I'm I'm ready for it. You know, I, they were even showing Sports Center did like a compilation of like the highlights of the season. And you remember the uh, the Dame buzzer beater against Chicago early in the year? Yeah. You know, he hits that shot and I'm like, your instinct is to look at the crowd, look at the reaction, like, and it's just, there's a car in the background, you know, like from a local dealership in Chicago. Like, it's just not the same energy that we're kind of accustomed to seeing. I'm excited to have that back. Uh, Quickly here, before I let you go, you've been incredibly generous with your time and I appreciate you, my man. Um, There is a chance that our squads end up playing here in the first round. So do, do the Wizards beat Boston tonight and yes. get the seven seed? I agree. I think they do. Uh, but I, I do want to know two things because I'm I'm not anti-Russell Westbrook. Like, I, I appreciate his brilliance. I appreciate, you know, the skill, the effort in particular, how hard he plays. But this idea that he's an all-time great has always kind of bothered me because – his, his playoff numbers are horrendous, you know, shooting the three. Terrible. And for as, as if, and I don't know if you saw the Kirk Goldsberry piece a couple of weeks ago, I did a whole podcast on it where it was the paradox of Russell Westbrook, you know, because on one hand, when he's dishing the ball out, the effective field goal percentage was like 57%. But when he's the one shooting it, it's at 40. Yeah, a lot lower know? than 57. <laughs> right. So I've always felt like, the thing that will always kill Russell Westbrook is the lack of self-awareness. You know, at the end of the game, he's going to be the guy, you know, he's going to be the guy and one out of, you know, every four shots, it's probably going to go in and he's going to be the man, but it's never the most efficient way to score, particularly at the end of games. Cause he gets so far away from what he is. Uh, what is your stance on Russell Westbrook? Am I too hard on the guy? No, I've done a, I've done a, a 90 degree turn on Russell mm. Westbrook. Because when he was traded to Washington, I was, quite frankly, I was livid. I liked yeah. John Wall. I wanted to see Brad and John give it another go. And for all of the reasons you just mentioned, I had watched Russell Westbrook 
for like four straight years, shoot his team out of games in the postseason. So he gets a DC and I'm just furious. He's hurt to start the season, which certainly didn't help. But the way that he's performed to close the season, I've been impressed with. I haven't seen him just jacking threes. You know, he's he's at his best when he takes the mid-range and when he attacks. Yeah. You know, his athleticism isn't what it was when he was younger, but he's at his best when he attacks the rim. He's done a very good job of that. You'll still see him pull up, and every time it's like, no, no, like somebody else was open, please. But I've done a 90-degree turn on him. Now we just have to see in the postseason if he can complete that 180-degree um, turn for for myself and for, for others. One of the reasons that I think a lot of people – are, are harsh on him and understandably so is uh, his fandom on the internet is like the most annoying group of people that you can possibly find. Like these rust stands suck. They're the worst <laughs> people on, on the internet. So I think that plays a factor into it. And whenever you talk about an all time great, I think what he's done and what he's accomplished is something that'll go down in history. But I think a lot of people talk about all to all time greats, way too frequently and like look if you think russ is a top five point guard of all time cool who is he replacing that's in the top five you know like there's only five slots for a reason which means if you're putting him in there somebody else is getting taken out it's not magic johnson it's not steph curry it's not isaiah thomas so you're taking out either chris paul a jason kid steve i mean just anybody that yeah exactly you're taking one of these dudes out so that's that's a that's an issue I have with that conversation. Now, with all that being said, I think anybody that's a fan of the NBA should be rooting for Washington to beat Boston because even if they get swept by the Nets, do you not want to see Russ versus KD and Harden? Of course. Like at least the storylines come from that. Even if the Nets win by 20 on a nightly basis, you're going to get to see those guys chirping. And that's what dreams are made of. You know, ESPN and Disney, they're going to be running the postseason. That's that's the storyline they want there. And, and I, I agree, you know, and that, the hard thing with Russ, man, too, is like, I really do genuinely appreciate what he does. I appreciate the effort. You know, no one plays as hard as that guy. And even still at 30, was he 32, 33? You know, he's been in the league a long time. He's still one of the most impressive athletes on the court night in and night out. And you can never take away the hustle. And I think that's the thing that I think a lot of people identify with Russell Westbrook and and they appreciate in a league that I don't want to say guys coast because obviously guys come out and play, but the regular season. No, they coast in this. They coast in this league. (laughs) There's a lot of coasting that goes on, man. Like there is. And so I, I do appreciate that from Russ, but it just always drives me nuts when people talk about him as it's like, you know, well, Chris Paul hasn't won a championship either. It's like, cool. Chris Paul's still a better point guard. He just is like, he makes everybody better. Yeah. And, and if, we're seeing that with the Suns. A hundred, a hundred percent. You know, when, when Russell Westbrook, dude, some of his playoff numbers are like career. He shoots 27% from three in the playoffs on five attempts a game. Right. Horrible. The year he won the MVP, he shot 24% from three on 10 attempts a game and that's that's a guy who just has no self-awareness you know and and again the triple double thing is great but the problem is is that 20 years from now guys are going to look back at his numbers and be like what are you talking about how can he not be the one of the greatest point guards of all time look at these numbers and it's like well if you lived through it and you saw it happen you understand that in the closing seconds of a game 
there's not a single person who's a fan of a Russell Westbrook team that wants the ball in his hands. You just don't. You, 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 there's no way. Um, all right, so I want your prediction. Who are the seven and eight seeds in both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference? Oh, so seven's going to be Washington in the East. I'd like Indiana if Indiana has all of their players. Mm-hmm. I just don't know who's going to play for them. Also, the NBA is the biggest bunch of idiots. Why on earth would you put two Eastern Conference games on the same day and two Western Conference games on the same day rather than an East versus a West? So now the Wizards start at like nine o'clock and I have to choose between <laughs> sleep and my squad. And I don't enjoy that decision. We know, we know where you're going, though. We know you're going to watch. I'm, I'm going to watch. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, you have to. But I'm going to go Wizards. Wizards seven, and then I, I'll, I'll go with Boston because I think after they lose to the Wizards, Tatum's going to go ballistic, and I think he's probably going to drop at 40 in that second one. Uh, I, I want to. I, I really I want to go with Memphis as one of those seeds, but I Ooh. just don't see it happening in the West. Um, I think we'll go, we'll go Lakers seven, Warriors eight. I don't think LeBron loses to Steph. There's something, I don't know. He might never not address him as a rival after the, the 3-1 situation because he, he feels like he won that, but there's no way that he's going to let himself not perform. So unless LeBron gets like sustains an injury, tweaks the ankle, I think the Lakers get it done. They don't have anyone that can guard Anthony Davis. <laughs> they, they don't have, Kevon Looney, bless that man. He is not guarding Anthony Davis. So no, we'll go though, seven. Sneaky good defender. I like I like Kevon Looney. I, I really I do. love him, but if Anthony Davis wants to go for 30, Anthony Davis should be going for 30. Just depends on how healthy Anthony Davis is, man. You know, he's gonna if, grab he's gonna grab his knee, his ankle, his, yep. his elbow at some point. I'm like oh, it's head, head, shoulders, knees, and toes with him, man. I feel like really that song is. is just playing in a loop in his brain. <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't know why. I just think Boston is one of those teams that I, this feels like a year where Boston wins the seven seed. I think they beat Washington. I think Russ does something at the end of the game that's going to drive everybody crazy, especially because going to get Beal, my Twitter count up. I'm just going to be rage tweeting because it's going to be like 42 minutes of Russell Westbrook making the Washington Wizards like a great team, and then the last five minutes it's going to be it's going to be Russ doing Russ shit, man. That's how it always goes. The other thing is we're we're not sure where Beal's at. He's still not 100% from the hamstring. If Beal's in this game, I think Boston loses. I think the Wizards end up winning. But I'm getting the vibe from Boston where they're going to get the seven seed. And remember, too, it's the Brooklyn-Boston matchup going back to the trade. And now it's, you know, that's the, the running joke that's been going around is like, are the Nets going to get to the finals before the Celtics post that awful, you know, the, the legendary trade between the two? Uh, which honestly would be hilarious, especially just how that trade has lived on in NBA lore for as long as it has. I think Boston will win. And I think they steal like two games from, from Brooklyn. You know, there'll be a little bit of this Kyrie, you know, revenge stuff kind of going on between Boston and, and, and Kyrie will go off, but, or he'll just not show up for a game as Kyrie is <laughs> one to do. But I also think Boston's at a spot and you see this happen with teams a lot where, it's like, do they need to break everything down and rebuild? Do they need to change the front office? And they're going to win just enough where they're going to say, let's run it back next year. We saw how we performed in the playoffs. And I think the Wizards get the eight seed because I want us to have a – I want a Wizards-Sixers <laughs> rivalry. I want Embiid versus Westbrook. That, that to me, would just be electric first round. 
I think the Sixers would win in like five games. You know, that, that even might be generous. I don't Which, think the Wizards really stayed a chance against either the Sixers or the Nets. But no, it's the playoffs. You never probably know. Probably not. And Bradley Beal can drop buckets like it's nobody's business, man. You know, I I love Bradley Beal. I'm a big fan. Um, two last things for you. Who gets out of the East and West, and who wins it? Oh, okay. Uh, so I have futures on both the Nets and the Sixers. So <laughs> if either one of those get out, that would be nice. And I got the Sixers. I took them mid-season. They were like plus 1,300. So I got some really good value on that one. So uh-huh. if they would win, that would be nice. But uh, out of the West, oh, I'm, I can't believe I'm going on a record with this. I think the Clippers do it. Wow. I, that like feels disgusting to say. I need to like rinse myself in holy water. <laughs> and then out of the East, I, I, I think Brooklyn gets it. Yeah. I, I think Kevin Durant's going to go crazy. Yeah, I think I think Brooklyn comes out of the East, and I, I think Brooklyn ends up ends up beating the Clippers. It's the it's the Kevin Durant pseudo revenge, even though he didn't really want to be in Golden State anymore, but he would have beaten Kawhi had he actually played, sort of thing going on there. So I think that's going to be the difference. I love it. Uh, I think I think we're going to see Sixers Utah. I think we're getting the one seeds coming out of both sides, and <laughs> and that is like I'm trying to remove all the bias. It's not trying to be a homer pick. I, I said it earlier in the season. I just there's something special about the Sixers team. You know, I, I get a lot of, it reminds me a lot of, you know, when Doc got that Celtics team in a way mm-hmm. to the finals, you know, it was something clicked with Paul Pierce that we all said the same shit about Paul Pierce as we, we said about Embiid, which is the talents there. He's one of the best players in the league. We can all see it, but there's just something that needs to get into that next gear. And I think Embiid's a man on a mission and barring injury, of course, in all of this, I think the Sixers find a way to get out. I just think defensively, I think they're going to cause Brooklyn problems. And I just don't have the faith. I, I kind of push back on the idea that teams can just flip the switch, you know, yeah. a team that's never now we've never seen a team with that much talent to be fair. Right. So it's a little different, but I still think it's really hard with a rookie head coach. And I, again, I like Steve Nash. I think he's done a hell of a job there. I think it's going to be tough to flip that switch, you know, because who is Blake Griffin guarding Embiid in a small ball lineup? Because Embiid defensively can move better than Blake Griffin can now, you know, right. like like he has no problem guarding anybody on that team if they go small ball, which is traditionally why teams like to go uh, small ball. And you know what? Fuck it. I think the Sixers win. I think I think the Sixers bring home the title. I think they bring it down Broad Street. This the city would go ape shit. There's something in you know the Philly pessimist in my mind that's just saying don't don't say this. Come on, you're you're better hey, than that. If they don't. do, and I win my money, lunch is on me. I'll, I'll take I, it. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Uh, very last thing, how do you feel about Ryan Kerrigan putting on the the midnight green next year? Huh? Uh, that was that was like a gut punch. I love the man though. I can't, I can't stay mad at him. He. He stayed with the Washington football team through so much nonsense, and he was always positive. I'm going to miss his pizza commercials because those were hilarious because he's a terrible actor. The car commercials, too. But um, it'll be interesting. I don't know how much he's going to get used, but I know um, from an efficiency standpoint, he had one of his best seasons last year on limited snaps. He made everyone count. Uh, so I hope he makes everyone count against Dallas. I hope he makes everyone count against New York. And then I hope he fails against Washington. (laughs) 
I love it. Now, in that Eagles system, man, if it's Chris Long, Brandon Graham, like they love cycling in defensive ends. So I think he'll come in and play pretty well. Uh, look, man, I took the tats like Chris Long does. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's Chris Long 2.0, just, you know, a little cleaned just up. Pat him up a little bit. Less less of a drug addict. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, man, I, I so appreciate the time. I took you longer than I said I would, but uh, this was a ton of fun. And, and as always, appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. It was a great conversation. Always, buddy. And that is Denton Day, the host of In My Opinion with Denton Day on Sports Map Radio weekends from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Buddy, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon, all right? Yep, see ya. Once again, want to give a huge thank you to my friend, Denton Day. Uh, what a fun conversation. Great interview. Incredibly knowledgeable guy. Wizards fan. I had to do it to him with the Ryan Kerrigan question there at the end. But look, it was a lot of fun getting a chance to talk basketball, and I'm excited. I'm excited, as we all should be, right? This is this is why you watch the regular season. In these sports that have really long regular seasons, the playoffs can be so rewarding. We're seeing that with the NHL playoffs right now. Uh, I hope to get a little bit of NHL talk in on Thursday's pod, as well as once these playing games are done, our second pod of the week. We're going to talk all about the first round now that we will know exactly who we're playing. Uh, and, and I'll give some of my predictions. We'll do a little bit of gambling here on the side as some of the early lines come out where there's some value, where there isn't some, and, and kind of who to stay away from. And, and look, if you're not excited for LeBron, Steph, in, in a play-in game, you know, if Golden State can somehow win that seven seed and, and play Phoenix, you know, they can beat Phoenix in the first round. I really do believe that, and, and vice versa with with the lakers the lakers can beat anybody lakers can beat the suns i mean i still think as crazy as it is that they're in the play-in game the lakers with healthy ad and healthy lebron should still be the favorites to win the title but like i said in the interview with denton i do like utah and depending on what happens with donovan mitchell i, I think the jazz can find their way out uh and i like my sixers so uh sit back relax enjoy it's going to be a phenomenal week honestly this week but just the next six weeks of nba action should be fantastic no one knows who's going to win we don't have a dynasty we don't have somebody to hate it's just a bunch of really talented basketball players uh, going at it with a chance to bring home the larry o'brien trophy so enjoy that all we will be back here again this week uh apologies for missing the second episode last week i got my second vaccine shot and i can tell you now it kicked the shit out of me so I am very happy to be feeling better, feeling vaccinated, uh, coming to you live here from the Strathmere, Jersey Shore. Uh, and we'll be back later on the week to talk some more NBA basketball. So uh, follow us at Read Option Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Gimple. Follow me on Instagram at Jeff Gimple. And keep it locked in right here on the Read Option as we got tons of more great content coming your way. And as always, everybody, take it easy. Enjoy.